Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. The red-hot housing market is showing no signs of slowing down. New figures from Redfin show the typical home is now going under contract in just about 36 days. That's a record. And the median home sale price topped $300,000 for the first time ever. To take the pulse of the home housing market right now, we are speaking with Redfin Chief Economist Neela Richardson. Neela, it is great to have you here. It's great to be here. Going through your report, some of these numbers are really astounding. So we have median home sale prices up 7.6% from the same time a year ago. What does that tell you about the state of the housing market right now? It's highly competitive. We have far more demand, far more people who want to buy than we have homes available to buy. And that's what's making the prices surge now. And how does inventory play a part in all that? You know, for the last 35 months, we've seen year-over-year declines in inventory. Mm. There's simply enough not enough new listings coming on the market every month to make up for all the demand. So that shortage is, is, is increasing competition. It's increasing prices. Is it increasing bidding wars? Are we seeing Absolutely. more and more of that? Oh, boy. There is virtually not a market in this country that Redfin operates in where there is not a bidding war. Really? I mean, just let that resonate. Every time you make an offer, you are bound to enter into a competition with another buyer. And that's because housing is in short supply. And where the bidding wars are fiercest is at the low end of the market for the people less able to afford it. Because we need more starter home inventory. We need more affordable inventory. That's the market that's been pinched the most. And that's the market that's most competitive. So what about somebody trying to buy their first home? I mean, this looks like a daunting market. The median home price is now $300,000 for the first time ever. For so many people, it's more out of reach than ever before. That's absolutely correct. If you pair prices, rates that are slowly rising, and now the speed of the market. This market is the fastest we've seen on record, but it's important to note it's six days faster than it was a year ago. So it's gotten fast really quickly. Right. What does that mean to a first-time buyer? Well, if you're paying in cash, you can move quickly. <laughs> How many can pay in speed cash? Speed rewards those who are well-heeled. Right. Speed is not a friend of the people who need a mortgage or a, or an FHA loan or a mm-hmm. VA loan. First time people trying to get into the market need time and financing. And right now this market affords very little of the either. What's driving the quickness? Is it that people are trying to get ahead of higher interest rates, which they know are going to come down the pike? That, there may be some of that, but we really think it's the lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who have lost deals so many times, and they are ready to pounce whenever right. there's a new listing. And if you think about it, there are only so many homes that check all the boxes of today's buyers that are in a highly ranked school district, have a good commute, you know, have mm-hmm. uh, homes that they can afford to buy. And when those homes come up, become available, buyers pounce. Let's talk uh, about some specific cities that the Redfin Report um, uh, highlights. So in cities like Denver and Seattle, Homes there are only on the market for about a week before going to contract? The typical home sells in, in about a week or less. Wow. So, and, and for some homes, you know, you have a good weekend. <laughs> you have an offer. I mean, that open house went really <laughs> well off, for you. That offer, open house may not have even been completed. <laughs> right. What What is going on in those particular markets where houses are just on, on the market for like what seems like a blink of an eye? What's going on there? You know, you, you, first of all, you have the lack of inventory mm-hmm. uh, and you have the zoning issue. 
issue. So, for example, in Seattle, uh, two-thirds of the housing market is zoned single-family, so they can't build density. Uh So that restricts supply. And then you have the corporate sector. You know, Seattle has a huge industry. They have Amazon. They have Microsoft. All these corporations, that you know, peaks demand. Denver, you had a lot of new companies moving to Denver. So they're not only bringing new buyers, they're bringing more wealth, people who can compete. And so that really is leading to a quickening pace of those markets. And then in some cities like Miami, you got to love them, they are actually listing their homes above their estimated value. I think it's hard in a market like this, if the market's going to bear it, you go, why not, you know, put these prices out there? You know, People want to sell their home for what their neighbors sold their home for. And that's the trap that sellers can get a little overconfident. They said, hey, it sold at this price last year. Of course, my house is going to sell a little bit more this year. Of course. That's not always true. And it depends on the house. In Miami, single-family homes are in huge demand, but not so much condos. They overbuilt in condos. So you have to be careful. Even in a seller's market, you can't overplay your hand. And in terms of inventory, I mean, what... What's going to move the needle here? How do we get more um, starter homes on the market? Does it just all come down to builders and if they're incentivized to build these homes? I wish it was that easy. Inventory is probably one of the most complex economic issues this country is facing. Mm -hmm. I know we don't speak of it that way, Mm -hmm. but there's just not enough affordable homes in the rental or the for sale market. It's not just about builders. If it was about builders, there would be an economic solution. It's also the fact that our housing policy is at the local level. There are homeowners who don't want to see density in their neighborhoods. They don't want to see apartment buildings. They don't want to see condos. And they're keeping that density from coming to town. And so because of that, land is very expensive. Mm. There's a lot of regulation tied to it that feeds into the house price and it's passed on to consumers. And that's the market we're in right now. And right now, with unemployment so low, the economy seeming to chug along nicely, people may not feel incentivized to have to move unless they, unless, you know, the job takes them someplace else or there's another life event that makes them need to move. And that's exactly what we're seeing. You've hit the nail on the head. Mm. What we're seeing is people are staying put longer. A decade ago, the mean time of a of a seller before they uh, homeowner stayed in their home before they sold sold was four and a half years. Mm. Now it's double. It also I was reading uh, a while back that starter homes really maybe that's a misnomer because people are staying in those so called starter mm-hmm. homes for years that they sort of become your home. <laughs> right. They've renovated those homes. They added the bedroom. They finished the basement. But the truth is, a lot of people who bought. 15 years ago, wouldn't qualify for a house in their same neighborhood now. They don't have the FICO score. They don't have the funds. They can't compete. So they have to stay put if they want to stay in the same neighborhood. That's the fact of of how the dynamics of housing has changed just over 15 years. Going back about that amount of time, there are some parallels between now and and 2006 Mm -hmm. uh, when we had the, the, the lead up to the housing bubble bursting. You've got prices on the rise, inventories are down, it's a very uh, fast moving market, like you say. Do you see enough similarities to be worried that history will repeat itself? No. Um, the markets are, they look the same, but underneath, if, if housing, if the housing market is an onion, mm-hmm. the outer layer looks the same, but the inner core is totally different. That's good news. Tell us how it's different. I don't know if it's good news. <laughs> okay. It could be different in a bad way. I don't want to relive 2007 <laughs> and 8, but okay. The, the 2007 and 8 crisis was based on leverage. People were 
borrowing too much. You had people who could not afford one house buying five houses because credit was that cheap. That's not the market we're in today. Yes, rates have been cheap, but prices have been high, and it's a market that's difficult to enter into. It's still really hard to get a mortgage unless you have stellar credit. Mm -hmm. We don't see subprime mortgages. We don't see exotic teaser rates. We don't see all those products that really trapped homeowners quickly and made uh, housing and homeownership unsustainable. That's gone in the market. Mm -hmm. But what's left is a market where you have to have all your ducks in a row to buy a house. You have to have a down payment. Or if you qualify for an FHA loan, you have to make sure that that FHA loan makes you competitive. Like in a place like D.C., Mm -hmm. you know, there's very few FHA loans that win a deal. Right. Because people are coming with cash. People can close quickly. So you have to drive further and further out until you can find a home where your FHA loan will make a difference. And and that's kind of the issue right now. It's uh, it's becoming a less accessible, more exclusive housing market. And and with that comes its own concerns and and worries. If you are concerned about social if you're concerned about profits, the housing market's going to do well this year, I think. Mm -hmm. If you're concerned about social equity, if you're concerned about the home being the engine of growth for the middle class. We have teachers who are marching for higher incomes and books. These teachers can't afford to buy a home, many of them, in the places where they live in their communities. There is a lot of different issues going on that is channeled through the housing market, and we're not solving them at all as an economy. Well, it's good news to hear that subprime mortgages and people who were getting mortgages but shouldn't be getting them, that practice has really dropped almost off a cliff. But what is the most popular mortgage in this environment right now where we do have interest rates rising? Well, for a very long time, and we've had dirt cheap rates. And I still think under 5% is a dirt you're cheap right. rate. You're right. Well, a lot of people don't remember 17% <laughs> interest rates, but you're absolutely right, historically speaking. So there is no reason to do anything when you have a dirt cheap rate than to lock in that rate for as long as possible right. over a 30-year period. You can always pay more on your monthly payment mm-hmm. and get that uh, 30 years down to 20. Right. So Knock it off the principal. Exactly. But lock in the rate. And that's what many people are doing. Some people have a rate close to 3% on a 30-year fix. No. They may hate their house, but they're going to love that mortgage forever <laughs> and ever until it's paid off. Do you see a move to adjustable rate mortgages anytime soon? I do, and that's going to be driven by high house prices. Prices are so high now that buyers are starting to look for a little bit of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might turn to adjustable rate financing because it's a little cheaper. And there are some good products, like the 5-1 arm, where the first five years of the term is fixed, mm. and then it adjust um, every year after that. That could be a good product for some people. That's how people kind of make life choices. Right. They stay at a home about five years, maybe five years on a job or in a marriage or or (laughs) at school, and it's time to move again. That could be. But the question is, in a rising rate environment, do you want to get trapped in a product that adjusts upward every year? That's something to consider. For sure. What about, um, let's go back to particular markets. What is the most competitive market right now in the U.S. for housing? San Jose. San Jose, California. Prices are up 30% year over year. I mean, inventory is down. You're seeing huge investments from Apple and Yahoo. But I have to note, Grand Rapids, a home in Grand Rapids sells as fast as a home in San Jose. So this is just not a California problem. Wherever there is an active, vital labor market, there is a white house hot housing market behind it. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the tech companies um, because we've been seeing reports that 
there are some tech companies in Seattle, um, like uh, Starbucks, mm-hmm. that are the, the city council there is raising taxes on these companies, on the big employers, mm-hmm. saying, you know, partially you guys are the reason why low-income folks don't have housing, because you're bringing in these huge campuses, you've got to bring in the qualified workers, and, and that's pushing up property values and squeezing out the low-income folks. What, do you buy that argument? There's some truth to it, but they're also the reason why the low-income folks have jobs. So mm. it takes two, how, right? You, it takes jobs and housing right. to, to do both. Starbucks creates jobs around the country through mm-hmm. the baristas and people <laughs> making your, your cappuccino in the morning. So you want both as a city, right? You want jobs and housing. You don't want to push away those jobs, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that the jobs doesn't push away local residents. And we still haven't gotten a good solution there. Now, um, what what are some of the more affordable cities right now in this very red-hot housing market? You know, there are cities in the Rust Belt that are affordable. Uh, you have St. Louis and Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis. I'm a Midwesterner, affordable housing. Um, there are places in the South that are, are, are also relatively affordable. You have the non-mountainous West, Salt Lake City. We're seeing people move to Boise. So there are places uh, where you can buy a home. The question is, can you uh, grow a career if you're a young person? You know, yes. that That's is a the trade-off question. you're going to have to one face. Of the, one of the reasons why you might be seeing uh, such growth in, in cities like Denver mm-hmm. right now Yes. Because the jo- they believe the jobs are there. They believe the jobs are there. But as we're seeing in the Denver's and Seattle's, there's a peak to where, you know, you benefit from moving there because house prices are growing so rapidly as well. Your dollar is not going as far. As chief economist at Redfin, I mean, you sort of look at the broader picture. And if this continues to be the case, if we're, if we're not in a bubble and it's not going to burst, where do we go from here? My deepest concern is that not that the market blows up like a bubble, but it contracts, Mm -hmm. that it deflates because there's not enough people who can afford the home at the price it's at right now. And there's not enough inventory. Tell me the repercussions of that when people cannot afford a place to live. Well, you know, we think of it locally or we think of it at the household level. Oh, they can't buy a home. That's bad. We want them to, you know, save and and this is for saving. It's great. I actually think it's bad for the economy. Mm -hmm. When people cannot live and invest in the places of growth, that lowers economic growth for the nation. And so this is a economic concern. There's been some research showing that um, because of the lack of good zoning rules and the lack of density, um, we are taking percentage points, several percentage points away from GDP. Wow. And I have to think wages play a big part here because home prices are going up, interest rates going up, albeit slowly, Mm -hmm. but we're still not seeing that wage growth kick in. It's pretty anemic. Right. And, you know, the vitality of the U.S. housing market has always amplified the job market. Housing turnover has been crucial for people moving to where the great jobs are. And now we're seeing turnover lower than historical averages in the housing market. And we're seeing wages not growing. And I think those two are very much related. So, Again, for those wondering, your, your official take is we are not in a bubble right now. That is my official. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> you may see a really high house price and question me all day long, but right. I tell you there will be a buyer at that price point. And I guess, you know, U.S. buyers are competing with foreign buyers, and there are many of them who are coming in flush with cash. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard to go up against that. And they're looking for a place to store their, their cash. 
right? Yeah. They're looking for a good return, and housing has had a very good return. We're at record highs in terms of home equity. People are literally sitting, living in piles of cash. You know what's interesting, though? At some point, does somebody just look at their partner and say, we've got to put this house on the market. Look at how much we could actually make, even if they're not, if that's the only incentive, if nothing else but to say, we can make a killing on this. We've got to put this house on the market, and that might bring us more inventory. Possible? It's possible, but where are they going to live? And and the, the thing about it, it's also generational. We expected boomers to downsize, but what they did is they rode the wave to the top during the housing boom, mm-hmm. and they took it all the way back down yep. during the bust, and now they're recovering, which is great, but some of them are not in the position that you we think that they should be, and some of them don't want to give up their lifestyle quite yet. There's so many reasons to age in place right. um, and to still be a vital part of the community, through. and technology helps advance that lifestyle. So they may not be willing to just pack their bags quite yet. Also, a lot of the baby boomers are seeing their kids moving back home with them, so they don't want to get rid of the big house yeah, just yet. Right, well, until the millennial moves out of the basement. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, it looks like uh, there's really nothing out there, to your mind, that's really going to slow this housing market down in the foreseeable future. Not in the next year. Mm. I, I do think that over time with rising interest rates and higher prices, that might slow the number of transactions. It, it, you know, eventually there's only so much people can afford. Mm-hmm. Right now we're seeing buyers who've been in the market for a while who really have that endurance to buy. But my question continues to be, what about the first-time buyer? What about right. the millennial buyer, the young family, and how do they get to where they need to be? Your, your advice to them, somebody listening to this now saying, that is exactly me. I can't afford anything out there. Um, put on your, your big girl and boy boots because uh-huh. it's going to be a bit of a rocky ride. It's not easy. But, you know, you have to be patient in this market. Um, you have to just stay the course, make sure you, that you have your FICO score as high as it can be, that you are fully underwritten in terms of your mortgage so that when you see that home of your dreams, that all you have to do is, you know, put the sales price, but you've done all the legwork Meaning with the paperwork. get and pre-approved. Then, more than that. Okay. Get fully underwritten. So they've already checked your taxes and your W-2s uh-huh. and the bank has already signed off except for the house price. That's really important. Um, that's an advice we give our, our, our uh, customers all the time at Redfin. So you can move quickly because this is a fast market. It's the closest to cash as you can get if you don't have cash. Neela Richardson (laughs) of Redfin, this has been a joy. Thanks so much for, for stopping by for the podcast. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.